Hi there, ladies and gents. It's Dan here from Adventure More UK. Thank you for taking the time to come and watch my new podcast. Uh, today, my special guest is a former Israeli Special Forces operator and security expert. The man is Captain Itai Gil. I'm fine, thank you for having me. Not a problem. Um, now, obviously, you were brought up and raised in Israel. Um, how, how was that uh, compared to your time when you've spent in, say, America? Well... I think, you know, the experience in, in traveling the world or being in different environments is always exciting. You get to meet different people, do yeah. different things. I would say Israel is a, is a different animal by itself. Uh, you know, if you follow the history of Israel, we're a very young country, relatively, for those who don't really know. Uh, I would say in a, in a brief introduction, 72 years old, the lady, and um, it was established in 1948. I would say that after World War II, Holocaust, those who managed to come here and build the country, and then battles with neighbor uh, countries, uh, wars, and so yeah, on, yeah. so you go to, there was several wars that this country experienced in different cycles of its history, and um, I would say that uh, I remember clearly me as a young boy, you know, uh, the Six-Day War in 1967, then later on the Yom Kippur yeah. War in 1973, but two major things that I think is really makes Israel unique, uh, if I may explain, that um, yeah, yeah. after the Holocaust, uh, uh, those who managed to survive, okay, and came here to build this country, uh, from nothing, um, a country that does not have a lot of resources like oil, for example. So, you know, this country, in a matter of years, based on the will to thrive, uh, built... I would say relatively, probably one of the most advanced and powerful military units, according to its size, of course, in the world. High-tech yep. technology, medicine, education, and um, top, top medical tech, and it goes beyond, above and beyond. Another interesting topic to, to raise is that um, historically, uh, Israel had many tough challenges, and we decided not to depend on anybody, even our allies. It's good to have allies, yeah, yeah. but um, the 1976, I believe, 74, 76, the Olympics in Munich, I apologize for not remembering the exact date, but um, uh, Many of our athletes were murdered by Muslim terrorists that uh, took over the, uh, the stadium and uh, dormitories where the athletes were staying, and it was a big tragedy. 11, 11 athletes were murdered and killed on German soil. Uh, yep. Israel back in the day said, if I'm correct, they want to send some of our military teams to intervene, but the Germans refused any intervention of any other military force coming on their soil. And things didn't work out, and uh, Golda Meir, that she was the Prime Minister of Israel at the time, she ordered Mossad 
to find, track down, hunt, and terminate all the threats of all the terrorists that were involved in this type of action against Israel. Then if you remember later on, probably they taught you sometime in the military when you served, uh, the Antebra yep. Raid. I think, if, again, I'm 1976, something like that, Air France was hijacked with 103 passengers. There was an ultimatum to release hostages. If not, they will start being executed, uh, releasing sorry, terrorists in the prisons. And the Israeli Special Forces, uh, in a matter of days, planned a mission to go into Uganda. And those who want to research it later on the web. My boss in the counter-tail warfare team, he's a retired major general now, but at the time he was a young lieutenant. They stormed the airport and neutralized all the terrorists and released all the hostages. I think there was a very small amount of casualties. So, me being brought up in that environment, and military is mandatory. Yep. So, yep. I think this, this is why I gave you this briefing. Israeli society, yep. compared to many other societies, In my opinion, it's only my personal opinion, I would say is a resilient society. Okay, If yeah, I compare yeah. other societies that I would say are very soft, uh, they didn't need to struggle, they don't need to march with a heavy load on their back, everything is, you know, pretty, pretty relatively easy to achieve and get, you know, you go to the supermarket, everything's on the shelf, Life is pretty good. Yeah. yeah, there is poverty and there is problems and there is health issues in every country, but I'd say, when I talk about the mental resilience of society, is probably, probably, because most of the population here for them, it's mandatory to serve at least three years for the men and at least two years for the women. And serves. Okay. So even my daughters that served, one of them in the Air Force, And one of them, she's actually right now still in the service. She probably will finish her service in two or three months. She's in the, the IDF uh, counter-terror school as a weapons instructor. And they all do boot camp and all women, all females shoot weapons. Now, is it good? Is it bad? That's an argument. But I would say this, under the circumstances of the environments we live in, you need to have it now. Based on analyzing other societies, including the U.S., you would probably have a lot less crime, a lot less issues, if people learned through their feet, okay, what it is to be a part of yep. a team. And yep. be, exactly. you know, I, I think military is not just taking away from you, it's actually giving the civilian the most challenging and great experience of his life to understand leadership, decision-making, motivation, getting the job done, caring for one each other, for those who have been in combat, understanding what combat medicine is, the struggles, no easy day. I think that's important. And if you look at society today, it's very soft. People get offended if you say something to them. So there are lots of snowflakes that just cannot tolerate the truth and it's difficult for them if they hear the word no or people that demand or believe they're entitled for whatever 
And um, I think they got it too good because of people that served in the military and, you know, freedom is, is, is not a given. You got to keep it. You got to fight for it. So I think yeah. if I compare societies, that's probably the major thing that I would point out is resilience. The capability to cope yeah. in uncomfortable situations, to adapt and inspire. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for me, I spoke about this on a previous podcast, but I do feel I, I do normally work with children pre-COVID. I've said this a few times before. I do feel that children nowadays, most children, not all children, but most children, especially, uh, we're gr grown up in a generation now where everything's expected, entitled, and I think we're, we're bringing up a softer generation, I, I think. Do you, do you believe of so? Of course. No doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, and, you know, in Israel we use a, a term, it's a joke, what came before the egg or the chicken? And uh, I use this because is it the children's fault? Is it the parents' fault? I think it's a combination of many things. I think we it is. lack of respect to the elder. Most children don't even respect their parents. Um, many broken families. I think being brainwashed by nonsense, BS, social media. If people don't get enough likes and smileys on their social media, they that is the main source of their happiness. So it's a false happiness. It it's not real happiness. Like, I, if you want love, go and get a hug from your father and mother. Just sit down and have, you know, how many parents actually, you know, sit down and actually really s talk to their kids? Like, my kids are going through challenges because of COVID. They're not accustomed to being locked in the house all day. My son is on Zoom. I invest long minutes every day in talking to him, hugging him, empowering him. And I said, listen, it's a bump in the road on the scale of 75, 80, 90 years, whatever God gives us from the moment we were born in that time until the moment we're gone. It's a bump in the road. Like if you look at World War One, World War II, diseases, pandemics, real ones, not fake ones. Okay. Now I'm not saying there's no disease. I'm just saying I think this is overrated. Okay. okay. So, is there more people dying than any other regular disease or flu that happens on any given season? I can't see the numbers in any statistics. And again, I'm not coming from the expertise of claiming I'm a medical doctor. I'm not. But I'm saying I follow a lot of nurses and doctors and specialists that say this is getting a lot of good propaganda versus what's real. So yeah, it's different, you know, diff difficult times for everybody and we all need to adapt. Some are struggling, some are collapsing. We have a, a new lockdown now in Israel. You guys have a lockdown in the UK right now. Okay. I know okay. many of my friends in the martial arts and sports industry that are collapsing completely. It's a tragedy. And so, so, so the whole balance of, you know, resilience, happiness, motivation, not to give up, you know, 
we, the parents, if you do have children, I don't know, but if yep. you if you do have kids or you no. I don't, not I don't yet, but many of your friends or whatever, um, it's important that even if we have tough times, you know, hug your wife. Most couples don't even get along at these stressful times because they're stuck in the same house all the time, and if there's money issues, they will struggle. But you know, that's a challenge. How do you how do you stay away from getting in trouble with one each other in the house and actually live in peace in such stressful times? Raising a family, making the right decisions, um, balance, happiness. I just say it costs zero money to hug and say someone I love you or care for you. What about the older people that are in lockdowns, the nursery homes? We can't see them. We can't see grandparents. We can't see. That's a catastrophe. You know. Yeah, it is, and I. I... Like you say, eventually this is all going to go away. I hope so. We to a certain so. extent. Yes. I hope so. Yeah. And like you say, you're never going to get the time back. So you might as well make the most of what time we have right now. And, you know, there's there's going to be times where you can't speak to your children or they can't speak to you or your grandparents, etc. parents. So it's best to make the most of it as we are now, because I know there's a lot of people who I've got friends who have lost grandparents and, and a parent, particularly a friend of mine or someone I know of who lost the grandparents and a parent in the space of a matter of weeks. And that's that's tragic. Absolutely tragic. I hope to them, you know, people that lost you know, family members, you know, I mean, um, at the end, we're all human. That's what makes us human special. Yeah. Like I said, I hope there's, I always say, and it's not a joke when I say it, I always pray, I hope there's a lot more good people out there than bad people, you know? Yeah, I think generally there is. I think I've done, I've done a bit of traveling over the years and I've always met a lot more good people than there is bad. And that's in all, all walks of life. Um, you know, I, and I, I think that's, that's the good thing about, you know, there's always that one person who spoils it for the minority. Um, so I, I believe there's a lot more good than there is bad in this world, you know, people in general. Um, something, so obviously you mentioned earlier about being compulsory to join the military in Israel. Um, at what age is that? Is that from 18? Well, technically it's 18. Technically it's 18. So you, one year yeah. and a half or two years before prior, when you're 16 they start sending um, documents to your house to start filling up um, your health condition your grades from school um, yeah so the IDF is already starting to do a filtering system to see matchmaking skills with motivation oh so someone is very technical on computer sciences good yep. possibility he'll be requested to join one of the cyber units, okay? Yeah, You're yep, into electronics or optics. You'll probably go into something to do with laser, with optics, and so on. Air Force, and if you're yep. into sciences, some go, by the way, some go and study um, an extra two years after high school, so they get a, like it's a meet I know the right word in English, but it's like a, a first level of pre-engineer. So you can get, okay, then, yeah, yeah. then you sign up 
for a longer term in the service, you can get rank, probably first lieutenant, second lieutenant, and you can be involved in something yep. with development, technology. So it, it, it varies, you know. It's, uh, I would say this, that yeah. because it's mandatory, um, they're scouting nonstop for potential people for interesting jobs in the service. Very, so, so you want to stay, they yeah. let you, they give you the liberty, the option to at least go through another evaluation to see, we need a person like that for this kind of job. And then you can stay. So if you're like an Air Force specialist in helicopter mechanics and electronics, what goes inside a cockpit of an airplane or a jet fighter, jet fighter aircraft? That is very highly in demand, so there's a good chance. Oh, you want to go into artillery? You want to go into the tanks? And so and so. So there's officer school, sergeant school. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can stay in the service if you're talented enough to stay. Yeah, sure, Come absolutely. Wish um, to, to be, if you want. Yeah, exactly. And that's obviously something that you did. Well, I, you made I stayed a total of 14, probably 15 plus minus, I would say, yeah. So I started like everybody, got drafted at 18, went to what we call yep. infantry army basic. And uh, then later on, I got, I yep. went through like another selection and then I went to one of the top teams and uh, served yep. in what you guys will refer to like uh, airborne paratroopers in one of the one of those branches and Absolutely, after that yeah. yep. i finished that i went to study a little bit and then um i went for selection for what we call the uh, yamam that is the count yep. warfare yep. team so to explain yep. what that is is that is the I would say probably according to Israeli, you know, what goes on here in the country is, is the number one team in the whole country. And yeah, yeah. I would say uh, the most highly trained, capable, 1% of 1% of the population. So from people from all the branches of what we call refer to commandos. So because you have, you have, you have regular yeah. army, they're very physical, very capable. Then you have the commandos. So yeah. if you want to go into the commandos, you need to go through another selection and serve. So, so if you say infantry or Marines, you can say, okay, there's thousands of soldiers there. But if you say one of the commando okay. units is in the small hundreds, 100 to 200. So this, it's, it's much more smaller, but much more direct action and different capabilities. And the counter warfare team is another animal by itself because you need to serve in one of the top teams even to apply for Yaman, for the counter warfare team. And then you need to go yep. for another selection. And you must have at least three years, three to five years of combat, at least three to five years of proven combat. Okay, yeah. Uh, you need to have been, or you went to what we call lead in command, sergeant school, or you were an officer. So they will not take anybody that was not a sergeant. You need to have to know how to work with people and be a leader. Possess some of those from us. Yeah. So to make you understand, statistics yeah. are, so every year we have our gatherings and rallies where all the team members assemble 
at the base, memorial days and stuff like that. So we, I would say, if I remember one of the last times that we had discussions about how many people start and how many come to the finish line, I think around 1,500, 1,560 started, I think in 2018 or possibly 19. And I think only 14 qualified, came to the end. So it's okay. talking yeah. less than 1% that starts. So you have interviews, psychiatrists, psychologists, all these tests to see you're healthy, you're fit, you're mental. Then there's the physical capabilities, run, jump, swim, climb, weapons, handling, and so on and so on. So you go through Hell Week. Hell Week is a pain in the butt. It's very painful. If you manage that, then you begin about 10 months warfare school, plus another two months okay. in the teams. Then you get the qualification. So it's almost like, so imagine you did already around 20 months prior to that just to qualify one of the commandos. It plus 12 months to qualify for that. So tr just the training alone before you're even allowed to say, I'm an operational member, that's how long it takes. So I would say it is a challenge. It's not easy, but for those who do it, they understand the risk. Um, they want to be there. It's important to say they want to be there. It's like I, when I measure how do people cope in stressful environments, like what makes people want to do skydiving, scuba diving, parkour, jump from one building to another, do, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, when they jump with, um, base jump with one parachute. Oh, yeah, yeah. The thing is, yeah, yeah. There are people that do extreme sports out there and take a risk. Um, of course, every risk with its own calculations, right? We both know military, hopefully yeah, everything yeah. goes well, but there's always room for error and things may go bad. And we do lose teammates and people get injured, seriously injured, become disabled or they're not with us anymore. It's a calculated risk. It's like a firefighter. Maybe firefighters are not praised as much, but Running into a fire, trying to save a family, you can die. And the pay is not that good. Absolutely. So what I'm trying to say is there are people that will risk their lives to save others. And do, do the average civilians understand it? I'm not sure. Some do, some don't. I think in Israel it's highly respected when you're in such a top team because people understand the sacrifice. So in Israel, people look, look yeah. up to it. So if you say you're a member of that unit, People say, wow, respect, sir. Like, people know how physically demanding and yeah. mentally demanding it is. So, I think it's like the UK when you say you're SAS or SBS, I think it carries weight, right? It does, yeah, it does. I just think, like, with, with that side of it, with the Special Forces side of it, uh, it is highly, highly respected uh, amongst the majority of the, of the population. But just from a personal point of view, uh, when if you're serving just in the sort of generic or standard it's military still very tough. air force, it is tough. But there is very much a uh, there's not much support or there's not much as much respect for people like that as in for people like myself. Because obviously, people you know there'll be people who say, "Look, you joined up 
uh, it was your decision, it's your choice. So on your head be it. It's that's sometimes you get that sort of get that said to you. I apologize, you know, it's a snowflake attitude, you know. I mean, uh, you can yep, strap your is. boots on, wear, you know, military uniform and go ahead and march, you know, 30 miles in the mountains uphill with, you know, 40 kilos on your back. Go ahead, try. Carry a stretcher until you have that dent yep. in your shoulder and your trapezius muscle. Your bone is going to, your clavicle, you know, clavicular bone is going to yep. snap, you know. Yep. Um, yeah, and, and and that's you know that's that's again there will be some people who say oh well that's your own choice that's that but where I I believe that being in the military has made me the person I am today completely. It makes everybody humble. Right? It makes everybody humble. Yeah, yeah. I think, and that's another thing I, I mentioned this before before we came on air is. You know, I spoke to Ray, uh, Ray Kerr the other uh, other week, and it doesn't matter what country in the world you're from. I think there's always always going to be a respect there, no matter what military you no served doubt. in. No doubt. You know, we've all gone through, you know, the highs and lows of what the military brings in all different aspects of training. You know, bearing in mind, some people may have done just the basic training. Some people, like you know, like yourself, have done pretty much to the highest of what any military establishment can offer. Um, and I, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's something that I think is well respected within the community, the military community throughout the world. Um, now, obviously you did quite a lot of stuff over the years. Um, is there any particular sort of experiences that you feel like changed the way you were or were then to who you are now uh, within the military? Well, you know, I was in the first Lebanon war, and then I've been, you know, in many other conflicts, in many. Some of them are public, most of them are not, but, uh, <clears throat> sorry. I will say that it makes you respect and love life. So when I wake up in the morning and I zip my coffee in my garden and I see the birds and the bees, it makes me very happy. Now, does it make other people happy? I don't know the, you know, what makes other people happy. Um, I just embrace every day I wake up in the morning and I can breathe. I'm healthy. I watch my health. I watch my mental health as well. I always try to stay positive. I think one of the things that made me get elected to the units I served in is the ability to, even in the worst case scenario, to stay positive. And the way, you know, I'm like, I am trained not to complain. I, I train my kids, don't complain, whine and bitch, because when you complain, and you come with a negative attitude, the problem still remains. You need to solve the problem. So the military creates in your mind, in your heart, some type of hardiness and grit where everybody has bad days. Struggles, health, 
cancers, disease, diabetic, obesity. So if someone just wants to lose weight, he's fat and he wants to lose weight and get in shape. For him, that is a struggle. That is a very demanding struggle. That is like, oh my God, now giving up pizza and donuts? Are you kidding me? And shit food? Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I talk to people about to motivate them to get in shape because I try to keep crazy in shape, um, mm. is like, I tell them, so imagine you have a real expensive car and you put in the wrong fuel into the engine or the wrong oil. Will the car drive and accelerate as fast? The answer is no. So when you put yeah, exactly. bad fuel into your body, slash bad energy, bad sources of fats, proteins, carbs into your body, that that's also motivation. Empowering people yeah. to be yeah. fit and healthy today is probably one of the most biggest challenges worldwide because a lot of people are unhappy being trapped in the body they're trapped in. Yeah, absolutely. Look yeah. at young kids, they get bullied in school if they're fat. So we in society don't accept fat kids. Now, it doesn't mean they're bad kids or not, but if it was up to me and I was, I had a, a, a daughter or a son that's overweight, I would probably try to motivate my son or daughter to get in shape in order to create for them a better, what is it called, um, position in the, in, in the environments they're in. So kids that do, for example, contact sports, martial arts. Yeah, send your kid to do a martial art, empower it, give him something. Be around good people yep. that will yep. push you up, not drag you down. So, so me saying this yeah, as a father, true. and I remember clearly my wife was, years and years ago, was complaining that um, I'm very physically demanding my kids to do push-ups and run. I take, take them into the mountains and teach them some basic survival stuff. And she said, you know, they're not soldiers. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't I need to learn how to cope with, <laughs> you know, pushing up the hill. Life is going to be full with hills. You need to climb them. Yep. And uh, it's, it's a metaphor, maybe, but everybody's got their own personal struggles. And mentioning, you know, weight, nutrition, it can be anything. It can be just being... You can... People can become whatever they want. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this because I do talk a lot about resilience and, you know... Where does it come from? It's there. You just need to say, I want to, I want to expose it. It's like you need to carve it out. It takes time. It's not a given. I give you a, a, a pill and you swallow it. No, I'm suddenly, I'm, I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm, I have the physical ability to do what military men do. No, you don't. So, so I, I know many amazing stories of a lot of people that have their own struggles. There's a lot of very interesting characters on social media that once in a while I bump into their videos and um, uh, I enjoy listening to them because they were overweight, they struggled, they went to Navy SEALs, they failed once, twice, or maybe even three times, I don't remember, and they managed to succeed. And like, wow, you know, beautiful. Uh, anybody can do whatever they want.
And, and the other thing is don't let people bully you and tell you what to do. Stand your ground. No. Um, so, 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 absolutely, absolutely so, true. So, when you're 18 and you're joined into the military, getting your ass kicked and learning to be a team player, obedience, sharing. So if you're on food rashes and you have just a little bit of food left, sharing that little food with your team, with your buddy. Not showering for days, being sleeping in a sleeping bag. It's wet, it rains, it's in the sand, in the desert. It's like all environments, all conditions. You're, you're in the zodiac, you're going to storm a ship. You get wet. It's going to be cold. Yep. You can't say, you know, it's going to be cold. Oh, today it's cold, we're not operating. No such thing. I was in Lebanon at 4,000 meters altitude, 18, 20 below zero. I was freezing, but it is what it is. So what I'm trying to say is that all of these little things that I'm touching in this conversation, as a father to amazing kids, I have managed to push my kids to be successful, resilient, and relatively positive about how to cope with problems, how to deal with stressful environments. It's not perfect, but it's above and beyond the average people because my daughters or my son, my older son Tom, he served in the service and he was also a counter-terror school sniper in the special force. So that's a skill by itself. How much discipline does it take to be a sniper? Yeah, you know. But, that, but only people that are in the business will understand what it takes, you know? So what I'm saying is that everybody wants, but how much are they willing to struggle and fight for it? I think yeah, teaches us, wearing uniform teaches us. I tell people, you have a bad day, fuck off, join the military, and then tell me you had a bad day. Go ahead, yeah, you know? So that's me. Now, not everybody likes what I say. Not everybody can relate to what I say. I'm pretty straightforward. Yeah. But I feel like that's the best way to be. That's the best way to be is be straightforward. Like I've said this before on previous conversations. I'm very much to the point. I don't beat around the bush because that's when mistakes can happen. Like, like when you're when you're serving in the military, they don't say, oh, do you mind doing this? Or do you, like if you're in the middle of a, say when I was in the middle of Iraq or Afghanistan and they said, oh, do you mind doing this? Do you mind doing that? They don't say that. They say, right, you need to fucking do this. Otherwise this is going to happen. There's going to be consequences. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you can't just kind of, you know, oh, excuse me, do you mind doing this please? That doesn't work. Like, and I feel, I feel that that's what happens uh, sort of generally in, in like in a lot of children I'm sure it's the same uh, obviously where you, where you are uh, but it's the same with us in the UK uh, a lot of like we said earlier we mentioned it earlier about a lot of kids are brought up uh, obviously don't get me wrong I've said this before there's a lot of good things on social media but there's also a lot of bad things um, and I feel like if you cannot motivate yourself to do what you want to do in life and you, you need someone who's on social media on instagram or whatever it may be then you need to reevaluate your own sort of mindset because 
I don't think personally, I don't think people can get someone else to motivate them. Now, I've done talks in schools before uh, about all sorts of different aspects of childhood, like bullying and, you know, just going through the chain, you know, that like growing up and stuff like that. And, and, and people like, like uh, career opportunities and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I always say to them, like, people, you need to make your own mind up. Like, I can say, I can't motivate you to do what you need to do. You, I can give you the tools. I can offer you advice. Um, and if that's something you want to take and then use them tools and advice to go and make your own decision, then that's great. But you can't tell someone what they should be doing. I don't believe. I feel like that's something they need to make up for themselves. And to be honest, that's probably it's also that also works in adult life as well. There's a lot of adults who are in the same. Oh, I know many adults that are unhappy. Like ninety-nine percent of the people, I, I I think there's even statistics about how many people have a job they don't like doing. Yep, I'm sure there's quite a lot. I think what is it? Ninety ninety-seven percent of the population work in a job they actually don't like, and I think only two point seven to three percent are actually. They love their occupation or job. So, for example, me, I always loved being in slash the military, counter-terror environment because of the, the company. Being amazing people. Oops, sorry about that. Hold on. Being around amazing company. And then doing high-end stuff that average people will never do. And uh, being around toys and, you know, vehicles, motorcycles, four-wheel drives, weapons, and doing a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, with national security at the highest level of clearance and so on, like, wow, you know, and like, if you're a regular civilian, you probably will never get to see or hear or do it. And um, that's it. I mean, so, so all of these environments made me like, wow, I love this. This is crazy. I get paid to do this. No one forced me by gunpoint, you need to do it. You want to do it. Yeah. And then later on, I went into my own private business, you know, 1997, I resigned from the service and I opened my own protect company, training, education, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, counterterrorism, yeah. weapons, tactics, and so on. So I've been involved and that's my major industry in the last 20 plus years. I'm still certified yep, yep, as, as a captain in reserves. I get called in, yep. you know, frequently for some uh, training. And but I always loved what I do, and I had a lot of bad times. There was times I didn't make any money at all, or very little money, and then there was times I made a lot of money, and I was like, wow, I reaped the rewards. You know, it was like I sweated and bleeded, and I've done well. So even I. I didn't always get what I want. It's not perfect for anybody. And if anybody doesn't tell you they have ups and downs or struggles, it's a lie. We all struggle. It's the way we cope yep. with it and just keep on fighting and move on. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, um, that's something I always say to people. I've said this, again, I've said this previously, is we've all gone through our own struggles uh, and our own heartaches, if you want to call it that. But it's how we move forward is how it makes us. Like if you just sit there and let everything, you know, pile on top of you, you you're gonna go into a dark, deep hole. 
and that's where people struggle. If again, and hopefully through the, my podcast, we and you know we talked about mental health a little bit, and just talk about how it's because obviously there's a big stigma about it. There's a big stigma that you know, especially for us as men and the people we are as well, you know, military men, uh, people will feel like we're being soft or it's you know it's childish or whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. Like I've met some of the biggest, hardest guys in the world who can talk about mental health and you know hopefully that can help other well we do have PTSD you know for people that went through tough times in the service and whatever traumatized them or started a spark to feel something that created some type of you know take them off balance or create an unhappiness they're not satisfied they're not fulfilled or and yes of course there's also unfortunately suicides among military forces around the world yep. And every country has its own statistics, of course. Um, you know, um, me, I'm deeply involved in, in, in the training where I created my own academic research. I call it CWR Crawl, Walk, Run, that created a measurement tool to assist in training. Because it seems so, for example, when you were in the Army, I can measure from whatever rifle you were shooting or handgun, the grouping you were doing at a certain distance and how many rounds can you shoot at a certain time. So it's relatively easy to measure how do I handle the biomechanics of a rifle or a handgun and I shoot a paper target in center and I can get nice grouping and say, oh wow, he is very good at handling a rifle, but it doesn't necessarily mean how good are you in combat environments when there's going to be unknown environments and bullets shooting at you and tripwires and EODs and one of your guys going to hit a mine and he's going to lose his leg and how do we deal with stressful environments? Yeah. So, so I created some type of formula where I would say it's pretty accurate. It, it empowers the people by training them to have microscopic trauma, lots of failure until they become successful. And okay. so we're looking into this a little bit as well in the service. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, have an impact on with what I do to offer it. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can save lives. And also, by the way, for better selection, are all people suitable yep. for serving in that environment? So they may be athletes, they may be able to run and do stuff like, me and Ray know one each other from BBC Hell Week. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very exciting to be involved in the same program because, you know, say the Navy SEALs, Israeli counter-terror teams. I would say pretty sim. I would say similar standards. Plus, minus, we can argue which one is more physical, but that's nonsense. I would say both of them kick your ass. Yeah. Both of them are very aggressive training models. Or you survive, or you don't. And if you don't survive it, bye bye, you're done. You know, um, yeah. we took, I think it was 29 or 30 top, top world-class athletes to see if they can cope, yeah. survive the physical and mental demands that special forces do in selection or training, in boot camp. And uh, so if a guy was like very good at long distance running, ultra runner, marathon runner, that specific physical skill is amazing, but it didn't help him when he needed to carry heavy loads. 
Absolutely. Being there was one guy, he was a bodybuilder, looked wow, beautiful. Put him in the water, the guy couldn't swim, he drowned. He was like, oh, he was, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to say is that for people that run, put them in the cold water or let them do hand-to-hand -hand combat. We had a section where it was dedicated to hand-to-hand -hand combat. Not all people that are very good athletes are willing to go full-on 100% in combat. Now, every soldier knows yeah. if his weapon fails at close range and he will need to go into combat, hand-to-hand, -hand, improvise, he can... That's the difference, by the way, between being an athlete and being a soldier. In, in a sport event, you can always tap out. Judo, BJJ, MMA, you have the liberty to tap out. You're exhausted, tap out. You get an armbar, a jump, tap out. Yeah. In combat, there's no tapping out. You can't tell the jihadi terrorists or Hezbollah or Iraq or Lebanon or Syria or Afghanistan, oh, give me a minute, I need to catch my breath. It doesn't work that way, right? Yep, yep, so, absolutely. so the mental condition again kicks in. Your your brain and hopefully your heart uh, is wired and trained into coping with that kind of environment. Just like a firefighter jumps into a fire. Just and by the way, let's talk about medical treatment. A doctor that works in a trauma room when he gets casualties from car accidents, broken bones, open fractures. The bone is outside the skin. They're bleeding. Fluids and organs are coming out of the body. Does the doctor or the ER have the liberty to panic and say, oh my God, oh my God, I don't know what to do? Fuck that. He's trained no, to go into the problem, analyze immediately, and do immediately life support. Immediately. He knows in a matter of seconds what to do. Now, does he have trauma? Yeah. Is it difficult? It's difficult. But if he didn't want to do that job, he didn't want to be there, he wouldn't do it, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. leave. So, so we, some of us choose to do, I would say, an uncomfortable job, but for them it's okay. Many others, for them it's not. How many people finish medical school and they just go to be with the NHS to give you, you know, a medication? They're, they don't qualify surgery or emergency. Not everybody. So you qualified MD, at least in Israel. I know you can qualify as a medical doctor, but you can work for the NHS. You don't do surgery, trauma, yeah. right? You didn't do a spe you didn't become a specialist. Yeah. Military specialist, Navy SEALs, high-end military personnel. That's a specialist. It's, it's just another skill in a different spectrum, but it requires resilience. How long does it take to qualify to become a doctor? Seven years, man. Three years, another ten years out of your life. Yeah. For those who serve 10, 15 years in the service, 20 years in the service, respect. It's crazy. It's tough. You know, yeah, it's every year a couple of times so you can run, jump, swim, shoot, marksmanship. There's a lot of skills you need to qualify every year. When I was in the, by the way, still in reserves. When I go in, I still need to qualify all the time. They don't care. Yeah, or you can thing. or you can't. So I do pull-ups every day in the garden. Every day I do pull-ups. Every day I do fitness. Why? I don't want to, I don't want to fail. That's it.
No, I, I can can completely understand. Um, I, I I know you, you obviously for most people like a lot of people don't understand what Krav Maga is. Obviously, it originated in yeah. Israel, um, and it's for 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 the most people, it's basically unarmed combat. Well, it can be armed combat, but it's unarmed combat. Uh, we do a little bit of it in the military. Uh, I do know that when I served, we did a bit in basic training and and, and, and some uh, you know, physical training sessions. Yeah. Um, now, would you say, how would you, uh, what was your opinion on saying we, we should put something like this into potentially to schools? I don't know if they do it in Israel, but I know in the UK. It's an amazing sensitive topic for me because I used to volunteer in the past with people, with young kids that had problems. Volunteer, okay. you know, and uh, they used to come to my training academy. So people that had come from problematic families, financial problems, serious financial, like poverty. And we would accept free like yeah, yeah it's a volunteer program you're welcome to join we will empower you train you and some of them become very successful uh, you know i can I, I have some interesting stories about people that once in a million call me and say i want to thank you for everything you've done for me because of you i've managed to get accepted into the police i'm a police officer now and they have a steady job and they come from a family of where the yeah. father was involved in extreme crime the mother was in to drugs or alcoholism, like broken families. And I saved the soul. So yeah. it makes me feel good. It's not about money, okay? Now it's not a crime to say we love making money, but it's not just about money. No. So uh, I, think, I think, like I mentioned here at the beginning of the conversation, I said combat sports. So for example, does it mean to be a martial art? For example, rugby. Rugby is a very physical, demanding, full-on contact sport, correct? Sure is. I sure is. I play a lot of it. So if I compare it to the culture of American football with all the protective gear, rugby players would do similar collisions with no protective gear, correct? I'm not yeah, that's pretty, pretty rugby. I don't know even all the rules and everything, but I can admire the physical and the mental condition to go on head on. You know, I was in Australia and New Zealand, I saw all blacks, you know. We're talking yeah. serious head on collisions like car accidents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. So, oh. I remember. And that's a combat. Yeah, I remember. And that before, is a combat. Yeah, before they changed the rules, before they changed the rules of um, the scrum, obviously, where they come together. Um, they, they were saying on average, every scrum would generate about two tons of pressure. Possible. They're going now, the neck. Not to, say, yeah. not to say that the athletes that do NFL in the United States are less worthy. No, no, no. I say no, no. doing the same thing with no protective gear is different. Hmm. And I would say the Americans have great advantages. In, in their societies, they have wrestling in schools, they got their football. Um, I would say these two sports, wrestling, martial arts, slash judo, anything that with contact where you need to pull, push, fight, throw, it, 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 it yep. builds such a good confidence in young kids. Do that. Yep. Now, of course, it can be many other athletic events, running, swimming, jumping. As long as the parents motivate their kids to be in some type of physical activity, 
Um, and if it hurts a little bit, it will be with a bonus. So it means if it's a contact sport, where you actually, you know, a little bit boxing. What's wrong with boxing? I mean, controlled boxing, not to be a world champion or anything, but to go to a boxing school, put on gloves and, you know, how to strike, how to defend yourself. So talking about combat sports or combat in general, I would divide it into two sections. You were talking about the Israeli Krav Maga. It means contact combat. It was designed by Emi, Emi Lichtenfeld, way before the establishment of Israel. It was called Kapap, face-to-face -face combat. Later on, it changed to Krav Maga. I was not there at the time, so I'm just telling you what I know from history. It evolved and evolved. Okay. Uh, it was designed for the military. There was no ranks, no gis, no belts, no nothing. I have a video of me that's probably somewhere on YouTube. Army training school where you can see me with my M16 striking the tires, strikes, and we're doing some defenses. So it was, it was a military-oriented hand-to-hand combat skill that in a matter of weeks, you would be ready for the battlefield. The, the, it was not looking to create a beautiful technique but it was created to develop determination and the will to win and aggression. So if you had no option, but you needed to go hand-to-hand -hand with an enemy, what may happen, and that was the technique that at the time that was given to, I would say, the military from the lowest levels to the highest levels at different levels in each unit, of course. Because some units get to train, you know, 40 hours, and some units get to train 200, 300 hours. So it's all about how much you want to invest into your team. So when I, for example, was an instructor in the military and later on in the counter-terror unit, I thought that being able to go bare-knuckle is a value. Because everybody is always conditioned to put on boxing gloves, and it's so it's okay to get a little bit tapped in the face a little bit with boxing gloves. But if you took off the gloves and you went bare knuckle, it's, it's starting to bounce back now bare knuckle boxing, right? Yeah. How many people yeah. are willing to go straight line and do bare knuckle? Almost zero, am I right? Yeah, not, not many, not many. That separates the men from the boys. So what I'm saying, I, if I have a short time, of course we train with protective gear, so I'm not going to say we're negligent on the health of the safety of the guys, but I would recommend, me, I did it, I would recommend give the guys a little bit bare knuckle, a little bit, control, 10-15 seconds of impact, bare knuckle. Why? In the street, in a real conflict, there is no protective gear. So the ability to, the ability to eliminate the fear of being hit from no glove has value, do you believe so? The ability. Uh, as in, what was that, sorry? The ability to eliminate the fear of being hit from no gloves, bare knuckles, is something we need to overcome in training. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. In a street fight, there is no protective gear, right? No, there is no, You do not get to choose in self-defense if you're attacked. You don't get to choose. No. That's what I'm saying. You will have to go. So I, I, I advise people, is it risky? Of course it's risky. And everything we do, driving a car is risky, okay? 
More people die in car accidents than in military operations, am I right? Yep, I'd, yeah, I'd say yeah. so. So what I'm saying, more people die from regular diseases and smoking, alcoholism, obesity, diabetic, whatever, cancers, from, you know, doing a combat sport. So what I'm saying is, I think overall, the, the benefits of doing combat sports slash self-defense slash the Israeli Krav Maga are a huge bonus to your soul and your heart and your mind. Why? It empowers you. It means, you know what, I'm okay with getting hit, it's not that bad. I can recover, I can actually defend myself. It's, it's okay. I advise all, all families that have daughters, send your girls to do Krav. You must. Krav is also beautiful because it's all about improvised weapons. Here, I got a pen. Give a girl a pen in her hand, you see this little pen? Give a girl a pen in her hand. If one or two guys want to jump on her and try to rape her, force her to the ground, here you go. Improvised weapon. Yep. So if you went to classic judo or classic karate, they wouldn't talk about this object. No. But if you needed to, it can save your life. So, Good. giving kids the liberty to train in this kind of combat situations would make them stronger personalities. And like you mentioned, it made you a better person. I think this is definitely a must for all parents to send their kids to do some type of contact sport, slash I would recommend Krav Maga from any qualified instructor. Somebody knows combat. Yeah, absolutely. Not, you know. Yeah. And I know, I know as part of your business, you have many schools across the world, really. True. I know yeah, there's a I've lot in I've trained, I've trained thousands and thousands of good, good people around the world. Hopefully to give them a little bit of my, my experience so they can take that experience and train realistic hand-to-hand -hand combat, self-defense, for whatever requires. Because listen, society, if we like it or not, if we're looking at what's going on now with the lockdowns, U.S., around the world, anywhere around the world geographically, right? When there's, when there's less and less liberties to work, jobs have been taken away because of lockdowns, more and more people will become more violent and aggressive and there will gonna be more home invasions, more looting, more robbing, more shootings, more stabbings, more... And my, I tell everybody, prepare. Don't tell me you did not know, prepare. So when I, when I tell people, you know, you need to learn how to defend yourself, your family, and um, maybe in the UK less, less, there's slash active shooters compared to the US because lack of firearms, but still, yeah. but still there's a lot of knife assaults in the UK, correct? There is, there is a lot of, yeah. So, so here you go. I mean, if someone has intention, it has nothing to do with a gun. <clears throat> it's about the will. And the will can be a blade. It can be a kitchen knife. It can be anything. It can be scissors. So if someone wants to harm someone, and then you guys had your act of, of radical terrorism in the UK as well. I was speaking, I remember, I think, two or three years ago in an, uh, in an event in the UK on um, public safety. 
And I said, why are we hiring security that doesn't do anything anyway? Why not? You guys have, I would say, a very good standard of former military members. Why not give a license to carry, a concealed carry, open carry to veterans? You trusted him to carry a weapon when he was in the service. Why not give him a weapon now? He's another line of defense before police come if there's another shooting or stabbing on the London Bridge or another terrorist attack anywhere. So it, it can be anything. Listen, in Israel, everybody carries guns. Almost everybody. He's had zero active shooters in public in 72 years. Zero. We have terrorist attacks, grief attacks, but we have a civilian to carry a gun into a public place and start shooting? Zero. Even if you're a radical terrorist and you pull out a gun and start shooting in public, slim chances you'll survive the first five, seven seconds because civilians carry, they'll kill you before police. Yeah. So, and by the way, the law here is very clear in Israel. The gun is not just for your self-defense, it's also for protecting civilians. So actually, if cameras catch you yeah. with a gun and you did not intervene to prevent manslaughter, you may be held accountable and you'll go to court. They said, why didn't you intervene and neutralize the threat? Now, of course, if you shoot illegally, you may go, you know, you, you may have problems. It, it may happen, but it's part of the risk. So here I am telling you that being a responsible citizen and me saying, UK military members, I believe, are entitled, based on their training and their skills, give them a gun. It's another layer of defense in society. Okay. So it's an interesting, interesting, uh, I'll say, conversation. It's not something I've thought about before, to be honest with you. I know there's, like you said, we've had not so many gun crimes as such, as in compared to the States, compared to the US, it's very very little you know they have them pretty much i would say they have them daily um so i can quite honestly say i don't think we have do you remember, remember do you remember in new zealand there was a guy that shot inside a mosque and killed many muslims the in Christ Christ Church. Church. Yeah. Christ and, Church. and he yeah, took yeah. I, if i recall maybe i'm mistaken it needs to be checked but i think he took some hunting rifles or something that was legally? Yeah, evidence, yeah, but so. What I'm saying is, he had the will, he found the, the tool to do it, he went in, and of course people didn't fight back because they're not trained mentally to fight back, and it was on camera, he was yeah. annihilating people like it was an Xbox, Sony PlayStation game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here we go. It's not, it's not just a, a radical religion issue. It can be a crazy white person. Anybody. We don't, I, the truth is, I was talking about it, you know, it's, I don't care about no one's skin color. No one gives a fuck. I've served with the service. Most people have different skin colors, and they're amazing people. You know? It's all nonsense. Absolutely. So if anybody has any complaints, Nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with skin color. That's it. No, no, not at all, not at all. I completely uh, agree with you. Um, now, uh, what I was going to say, 
one question I was going to ask you, uh, it's more of a, a, genuine, a, a general question. Obviously, you mentioned about Krav Maga, which is very important in what you do. Um, have you, I, I, I used to follow a program many years ago, uh, and I followed the books of uh, Bas Rutan. Uh, have you ever worked with Bas? Sorry? Have you ever worked with uh, Bas Rutan? No, but we're actually supposed to talk at some point. We have a mutual friend that uh, he's together to talk okay. about something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, I know of his name. He's he's a very famous MMA fighter and he's a great character. I know mutual friends yes, that yes. say he's like a real cool, easy character. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but I never got to spoke yeah, to him yet. So it's in the pipeline. It's actually one of my buddies is trying to get us together to talk. Okay, uh, that's cool. Um, now, last thing I just want to ask you, uh, if I. Is what is what's in the pipeline? Is there anything you can tell us that you got planned well, uh, for the future? I'm in the same shit like everybody. So most of my business is based on traveling yep. around the world and doing training, consulting. You know, um, so that kept me very busy up until 2019. I was very happy, nonstop flights. I love the traveling, meeting with people, going to Latin America, going to Papua New Guinea. <sighs> All over, just all over. Um, if people want to protect yeah, yeah. gallery on my website, they'll just see how many photos of places I've been traveling to. So I've been very blessed that uh, yeah. my business has become international. I managed to go a lot around the world and see amazing and exotic places. And because of the COVID um, restrictions that are not just on me, on all my friends and business colleagues. And I have academic online training and education. So we have uh, Protect Academy, that is a business that is um, under the Department of Education of the United States from the state of Maine. We have a license number. So people, okay. it's beautiful because um, just like we started mentioning, how many great guys are out there that have a great skill, but it's, they can't market it in such a competitive market. So necessary knowledge that you accumulated during your service, law enforcement, military, martial arts, sports, and is not recognized academically. So a lot, of, a lot of sports or the fitness industry, not everything is recognized academically. So I'm not saying a degree, I'm making it very clear, it's not a degree, it's not a bachelor's, master's, it's just a qualification, but it says you have knowledge. And the reason I say this, because this is my main industry right now, education, online, it's done with videos and stuff like that. So we have people in the pipeline for okay. public safety and uh, risk assessment qualifications, people that do martial arts qualifications, different sports. And, um, okay. I'm not sure, I, I, I think I had a discussion with some people in the UK that like almost any person can wake up in the morning and rent a place in the UK and claim to be a master expert in some type of sport or martial arts or some type of self-defense yeah. and claim I'm a master, I'm an expert, even if it's nonsense. There's no body that actually regulates it to say this is real. Yeah, yeah. So will they get insurance? Not. If something happens, I, I just don't know all the laws in the UK, so I'm careful to judge. But I would say many, many other countries worldwide that I work with and know, 
There is no regulation. For example, regulation to be a firearms instructor. In many countries, oh, you're an owner of a gun. So for example, the United States, you can become an NRA, National Rifle Association's instructor in one day online, one day, two days, yep. stand on the line and teach people, but then they'll turn around at the shooting range with a finger on the trigger, with a bullet in the chamber. So, was a threat. so their regulation and standard of safety that you know from the military and I know is not the same barometer. Is that a real legitimate qualification? The answer is no. So we can qualify people on firearms, weapons, tactics, close protection. So a lot of people have muscles in tattoos and they say, I'm a bodyguard. That's not a bodyguard. So yeah. is it a real skill? The answer is, in my opinion, no, but many may disagree of, of what I say and that's fine. Uh, so uh, that's what we do now. So if I'm not traveling, at least we get to do something online and help people to boost their careers online. And I can give you the link later on to the website. You can share it with people if they are interested in training and education. Absolutely. I'll be putting it in the, in the description. So that's to help people to, to be better in the competitive markets because markets are going to come very narrow. Uh, more and more people are going to become aware and alert. If they're going to pay money, they want to make sure that the person they're going to pay it to is is qualified. Yep. He has a real skill. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, that's the that's my angle on what I'm doing right now. Awesome. Um, now, my last thing, one question I want to ask you, uh, just for everyone who's listening, how. What would you say to people on how they can live? What would you say to people who uh, are listening that could live a better life, a happier life? Just like a little a sentence well, or so, or a paragraph. You know, I will say that, you know, as a military man, so people may think I'm soft when I say this, but it's actually coming from a, a powerful place to admit that. Yeah. Loving, hugging, kissing, love your children. If you have a wife, even though there's real bad days, everybody has disagreements with their wives. Just stay close, hug, kiss, love. Tell your kids every day you love them. Every day, hug them and love them. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. Happiness comes also from treating yourself good, loving yourself, respecting yourself. If your self-esteem about yourself is not good, try to find out why is it and try to fix it. Don't stay in the same spot. It will destroy you. So you gotta love yourself too. And it's the way, what image do we, we see when we look in the mirror? Are you happy? And it's, it, it, these things don't cost money by the way. It's nothing to do with how much money you got in the bank. I mean, money makes you feel like, oh, you're important. I can buy an expensive car or wear expensive clothes, but that's all materialistic. That's not real. It's fake, no. you know? Yeah. Yeah, so what I'm saying is, you know, now because I'm a lockdown, believe it or not, I'm wearing the most simple clothes in the house. I don't wear anything expensive. I don't even buy expensive watches. Yeah. I don't really yeah, yeah. need anything to keep me happy. 
I got my kids, I got the family. Yes, I'm crazy, I like, you know, I'm crazy about military and my wife says when I get called in for the service, why are you going, you're, you know, you're 58 almost, you know, I'll be 58 next month. Why do you go? And I said, well, I love the smell of gunpowder, I just, I'm addicted. And then of course I like the exploration and excitement <laughs> on a motorcycle. You know, I like riding. I wish I could get rid of it. It's not such a healthy business to be in. Writing is not so safe. But no, no. It is what it is. But again, just, just general happiness. Motivate yourself to do something. Do push-ups, do pull-ups, eat clean food. Read, read. Stay away from negative people that try to take it down. If you want to drink, drink a little bit wine. Don't get involved in alcoholism, don't use any chemicals, don't, don't do anything stupid, stay away, be positive, yep. and I think, awesome, yeah, do something good, help, help, if you have a lot of stuff in your closet that you're not wearing, for example, giving, giving to people generates a lot of uh, dopamine, makes you happy, if you can help yep. more people, That's so we, we, you know, my kids were growing up, we had good clothes in very good condition, we were, donating clothes to people that are in need. Not throwing it to the garbage. We actually would go to shelters and stuff like that and give it to people that are in need. Do something for people. Help old ladies, help old people. Volunteer, do something. And again, if you can't, start with yourself and your family. Hugs, kisses are a great cure. If you hug your kids and your wife every day for 30 seconds each one, and you got three kids in the house and a wife, that's 120 seconds of hugging. That's a great medicine. Believe me. And it costs zero. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's a great, it's a great way to end, end our, the, the, the chat. Um, Itai, I want to say thank you very much, mate. It's, I know you, I know you're no, a busy man. I'm, busy. I know, I listen, I'm just a regular guy, you know, I'm not that busy. I mean, you know, I'm glad to have the conversation. If, yeah, yeah. if I have even one gram of impact on somebody that makes him go and hug his kids now for me it's it's everything you know i'm, I'm and then one more thing, absolutely you know for those who are into a god being having faith believing in god yep. is also an amazing source of resilience and power just doing the right thing yeah have faith we never give yep. up we're a strong species we're smart stay away from evil do good you'll be fine that's it. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, I'll put all, all the links to all the stuff you uh, you do in the description. So everyone, if they want to get in touch with you or any form of uh, sort of your social medias, your business. Uh, I'll send you a link in a second right. after the conversation to your uh, messenger. And um, yeah, all yeah. the people are there. Absolutely. If anyone wants to reach out to me because they think I can help them, I'll be welcomed. Awesome. Thank you very Thank much. You very much. Uh, it's much me. It's an honor. And, uh, um, yeah, let's do great things. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Uh, for everyone who uh, wants to keep an eye on what I'm doing, again, I'll put my stuff in the description. Please like the video, check out my channel, subscribe to the channel, and I'll catch you on the flip side.